Welcome and thanks for listening to another show of The Health Zone. I'm Michal Mahuna. Check out and like our Facebook page on www.facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show or follow us on Twitter on the letter D Health Zone or log on to our website on www.thehealthzoneshow.com. If you subscribe to our mailing list on there, you will get the Hellstone Show delivered to your inbox every week, and also you'll get a copy of our free book called How to Transform Your Health in 2016. Also, if you have any feedback on the show, or if you would like to get in touch with us, our email is tunein at thehealthzoneshow.com. Today I'm talking with stem cell biologist and best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Michal. I'm so happy to be here with you and especially with your audience because we have some very exciting and wonderful and empowering things to talk about. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell me, Bruce, what has been your own journey into the work that you do? Oh, well, I have like, uh, if, if I look back on it, I have two lives, the life before I understood the new biology that I'm teaching now and the life since then. Uh, and, and basically, it's a very profound difference. Uh, uh, I used to teach in a medical school and I taught medical doctors the nature of uh, heredity and genes and chromosomes and all that and also taught what most people believe uh, and this is unfortunate because people believe this and it's wrong but I was teaching that genes control life that genes make decisions like genes go on and genes go off and genes cause things like cancer or cardiac disease and and that's what I was teaching And while I was teaching that to medical students in the medical school, I was doing research on stem cells. Now, people have heard of stem cells. Uh, Let let me just give you a a very quick insight. Every day, a human body, I don't care what age it is, even our age, (laughs) even our age, uh, you are losing hundreds of billions with a B, hundreds of billions of cells every day die naturally. That's just the way it is. The cells live, they have a lifespan, they die. Well, the issue is uh, how many days in a row can you go if you're losing hundreds of billions of cells every day and you're not replacing them? And the answer is you can't go, you can't live very well. Uh, And then we found out that uh, bodies are filled with what are called stem cells. And you say, well, what's that? Now, here's the interesting part. They're embryonic cells. But, you know, before the before you're born, if I did a biopsy and looked in the microscope and I would say, oh, here, here's an embryonic cell. And I say, wait, if I just wait one minute after you're born and do the same biopsy and find the exact same cell, I say, oh, no, this is called a stem cell. I just want people to know that a stem cell is an embryonic cell. And the significance is that stem cells help us replace hundreds of billions of cells every day. Okay, so that's a long introduction to what the heck I'm doing. I'm working with these stem cells, embryonic cells. And my research revealed that it was the environment that the cells were in that controlled genetic activity. The genes don't control themselves. The whole belief system that a gene turns on and gene turns off is absolutely false. There is no on and off to a gene. A gene is strictly a blueprint. Just like in an architect's office, a gene is a blueprint 
that is used to make the parts of the body called the proteins. Proteins are the building blocks. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you're looking at a, a protein statue, more or less. Uh, and, and the blueprints to make the proteins, there are over 100,000. The blueprints are called uh, the genes. And I go, well, why is that relevant? And I go, you go into an architect's office. And let's say she's working on a blueprint and you lean over the architect's shoulder and you say, is your blueprint on or off? And she'll look at you like, what are you, crazy? It's no on and off. It's a blueprint. I go, precisely. Genes do not have on and off ability. Genes are just blueprints. The significant question is, who's the contractor? Who's the one that reads the blueprints? Who selects the blueprints? And now we know there's a new science. And uh, it, I saw it in 1967. That's when I was doing this work. That was, what, 47 years ago, 48, 49 years ago. And um, it, the research that I saw then is now the leading edge of science. It's got a new name. It's called epigenetics. And people say, genetics, I know what genes are. Genes are the blueprints that, you know, shape my body and shape my life. And I go, yes. Uh, and when you say genetic control, that's what I was teaching. And that's what, unfortunately, most of the audience has heard and believes in. Genetic control simply means controlled by the genes. So we say, oh, yeah, I have cancer. Oh, it's controlled by the genes. Or I have heart disease or diabetes. And they say, the genes did that. And I go, false. <laughs> The genes didn't do that. The new science, epigenetics, epi means above. So if I say epigenetic control, I'm, what am I saying? That's the new science. I'm saying control above the genes. And I go, what does that mean? I say the environment in which you live, and this is the next part. This is the most important part. The perception you have of that environment. In other words, if you think you live in a, in a scary environment, uh, you're sending information to the cells that you're not safe, and that changes the genetic activity. But the issue is this. That's, that's your mind's interpretation. Maybe you live in a healthy environment, but you just see it as being a scary environment. I go, the cells see what the mind sees. So your mind is sending information that controls your genetics. And that's when we say epigenetics above the genes, it's the environment you live in and your perception or your belief about the world that is being sent to control the genes. It's a very simple point is that you could believe you have cancer because some doctor may have said you have cancer. And if you believe it, even if you didn't have cancer, if you believe it, you can make cancer. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we have programmed people to believe they're victims. When it turns out, we and our mind and our consciousness and our environment is the master controller of the genes. You change your mind, you change your belief, you change your life. And, uh, and you can change these genes in, in a few hours just by changing your belief. So bottom line, I'm sorry it took so long here, Michal, but it's um, very simply this. We have a belief that we have been programmed, that we are victims, that the genes that we got from our family will control our health, and we didn't pick the genes, and we can't change the genes, and therefore, the genes we got are the things that determine my life. And then I go, and that belief is wrong, because that's a belief of victim. I'm a victim of my heredity. And I'm going, the new science is the science of mastery. 
if I change my beliefs, if I change my environment, if I change the way I see my life, I change my genetics. The point is simple. Less than 1%, listen to that number, I'll say it again, less than 1% of disease is due to genes. And then you say, well, where's the disease coming from? And now we know that up to 90% of disease is lifestyle and, and, and belief. And these are things that we can control. So we should be able to uh, control our own health issues once we know how it works. And Bruce, what impact the emotions or feelings, love and fear have in our body? They are profoundly important. Uh, let me just tell you a simple understanding. Uh, there's two characters that we can say growth and protection. You're, you're in growth and you're taking care of your body and you're maintaining it and fixing it and healing it and taking care. That's growth. But when you're in protection, you, you don't do any of those things. Protection is you wall yourself off from a threat. In other words, it, let's say uh, something is nourishing you, whether it's food or love. Love is the nourishment. Uh, if you are experiencing love or food, you have to go to the food or to the love and you be open to take it in. You know, you have to take it in. But if there's something threatening outside, you don't stay open. You close yourself down. When you're in threat, you protect yourself. You wall yourself off. So I say, well, what's the important point here? And I say, if you see the world and that it's supporting you and you're happy and you're in growth, you're happy then, you're taking care of your body, you're maintaining it. But if you live in a world of fear, stress, threat, you see the world as, as something not supporting you, well, then guess what? Your biology, in response to that belief, is going to close itself down and shut off. Actually, even the immune system is shut off in stress. This is why people, when they get sick, people say, oh, a, a bacteria or a virus or something got me sick. And it goes, almost always, the first part of sickness is stress. Because stress, uh, we talked about, the mind of the, of the person is sending signals to your body. Your body is made out of like 50 trillion cells. That's with a T, 50 trillion. And, and uh, uh, the cells are the living entity. When, when I say Michal, I say Bruce. Those are names that represent communities of upwards like to 50 trillion cells. So I look in the mirror, I see Bruce, a single human being looking back. But in truth, Bruce, by scientific definition, is a community of 50 trillion cells. The cells are the living entity. Bruce, by definition, is a community. So what's the point? Well, Bruce's mind is like the government. <laughs> and the government sends information to 50 trillion cells to coordinate them, to organize them, to you know help them go through life. Well, I say, well, if the mind sends send signals of love, well, that's growth. And therefore, you're sending signals to the cells. Take care of the body. Become healthy. You know, people, when people are in love, they say, oh, look how they glow. Look how beautiful they look. Because love makes you healthy and happy. And that's why people uh, feel so good. Because the chemistry from a mind thinking of love is chemistry that supports growth. But in contrast, if I fear the world, I have fear my job is not going to make it or my you know, I could get hurt or I could be sick or I could have a problem. These are fears. They're not even real. They're just, oh, my goodness, this could happen. The chemistry from fear shuts down the growth of the body. 
And I say, you got to have growth every day because every day you're losing hundreds of billions of cells. How many days in a row can you go if you're not replacing the cells? And the answer is, it's not too many days, and then the body will start to not function well. So stress causes the individual to get sick because you're not maintaining the body. But also, and this is the most critical one as well, when a mind is in stress, the hormones released by the brain, the stress hormones, shut off the immune system. And the idea about that is, let's just give you a simple story. Uh, let's say you have a bacterial infection and you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Where do you want to put the energy? <laughs> do you say, well, let me split the energy. I'll, I'll put some into fixing the bacteria and some to run away from the tiger. I go, no, if you're, <laughs> you're being chased by a tiger, you put all of the energy into running away from the tiger. I say, well, how does that happen? I say, because stress, when the tiger is chasing you, shuts down all of the functions of the body that are not needed at that moment, which is growth and which is the immune system. Well, you say, well, that's a stupid idea to shut those down. I go, no, you know what? A long time ago in history, when the body evolved in that world, the only time we had stress is when you were being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. But guess what? Once you got away from the tiger, you didn't have stress anymore. So in history, this stress, which is shutting down things like the immune system and the growth, was only for a short period of time. And then you would, you know, get out of the stress. And I say in today's world is a problem. And especially in Ireland, uh, when you start to see the economy and see, my goodness, what are my chances of, you know, surviving in this world and stuff like that? That's stress. And that stress you might as well have a saber-toothed tiger chasing you because the chemistry of that brain, whether you're concerned about the economy and, and food and things like that or being chased by a tiger, same stress hormone. So the idea about the, the world that we live in, people are sick. And we say, well, that's because of all these diseases. And I go, look, 1% is due to the genes. The 90% or more of disease is stress. And that's the issue that becomes so important because stress is something you can control. You may not say, I can't control the genes. Actually, you do because that's the new science, epigenetics. And, and the idea is if we understand stress and handle it, we can have our health back. But the way you read the newspapers, the way you watch the news, what's going on in the world, this craziness of everything, well, that causes you every day to release stress hormones, which puts you in a state of continuous protection, but at the expense of inhibiting the immune system and, and stopping the growth of the body. And the result of that is illness. And all of a sudden I say, yeah, the primary cause of illness is stress. It has nothing to do with genes. I, I made that long. I hope that came out okay. No, that's fine, Bruce. And what's coming to mind for me there is that they, they say that the fear behind all fear is the fear of death. Like, yes. What do you think is the belief behind that? And is there a way to change that in our consciousness? Well, it's funny because I changed it in my own consciousness. I, I, I got into science as a career. Uh, I remember when I was young, I heard a lot of spiritual people talk about spiritual stories and things like that. And the words were really good. The stories were really good. But even as a kid, I could say, well, you know, they, they say these words, but these people's lives don't match the words that they talk about. So I didn't get much value from spiritual talk. 
But I did like science because if there's a science truth on, in Ireland, it's also true in Africa. It's also true in Australia. It's true everywhere. So instead of spirituality, I didn't even believe in it. Matter of fact, I thought we're just uh, biochemical machines. And uh, then we take our last breath and then the machine breaks down back into chemistry into the earth and, and, and we're recycled. But the most exciting thing happened when I was studying those stem cells. And this, this is very critical is that there are no two people that are biologically the same. And I say that for a very simple reason, Michal, and that is based on this. If I take your cells out of your body and try to put them into anybody else, like transplant a kidney from you into somebody else or transplant a heart into somebody else, the recipient of this foreign tissue, the recipient immune system will attack the foreign tissue and say, not self, and destroy it. So the first thing I have to tell you is this, no two people are biologically the same because we all have different selves. They're, that's why we can't exchange parts with each other. And I said, but where is that self? Where? What is the difference between two people? And this is the part that blew my mind because I wasn't spiritual. But what makes people different from each other? is on the surfaces of our cells, almost all of our cells, except for red blood cells. That's why we can transplant. You know, you can have a blood transfusion uh, because the red blood cells don't have the self-markers. I say, what are self-markers? I say, on the surfaces of our cells, with the exception of red blood cells, big time, uh, there are miniature protein antennas, just like miniature television antennas. And no two people have the same set of antennas that are called, and there's a name for them in science, self-receptors. Self-receptors. What does that mean? Receptor means receiver. And so these protein antennas are receiving a signal, and the signal they receive we call self. I go, well, what was relevant about that? And I go, well, the identity, Michal's identity, Bruce's identity, any listener, the identity of who you are is not the cells, but it's the signal the cells pick up on these antennas. And so if I take the antennas off your cells, your cells have no identity. If I remove your self-receptors, I could transplant your cells into anyone, and they'll never be rejected because there's no self. They're just human cells. So the antennas give us the identity. And I go, yeah, but here's the important part. The antennas receive a signal just like a television antenna receives a signal. So in the old days before cable, let's go back and say you had a television set and there's an antenna on the roof and the antenna picks up a signal and plays the picture on the television set. And then I say you're watching your television and the picture tube breaks. We say, ah, the television is dead. I go, yeah, the, the television is dead, but I have an important question now. Did the broadcast die when the television died? And the answer is, well, no. You say, how do you know the broadcast is still there? I say, you get another television. You plug it in and turn it on and then tune it to the right station. And the show is back on. Okay, well, this analogy is the thing that blew me away about 35 or 40 years ago. Because I realized, wait a minute, my cells are like television sets. There's an antenna on them. They're receiving the Bruce broadcast. So my cells are playing the Bruce television show. So when you see me, you, I, I'm playing the Bruce show. And I say, well, what if I die? I go, well, the cells are dead. 
but the Bruce wasn't inside the cells. The Bruce was a broadcast that antennas picked up. So the Bruce part is still there. And I say, and guess what? If another embryo in the future is born with the same antennas, the same protein antennas that I have on my cells, then I'm back again. But in a different body, the body, the television is a body. That's not the show. So uh, I am a show and I play through a body. Is it a male body or female body? Well, that does That's just the television set. Is it a white body or a black body? No, it doesn't make any difference. That's the television set. What was the point that blew me away? Because I didn't believe in spirituality was our identity of who we are is not inside the cells but is picked up by the cells and that we when we're alive we're playing our show through our body and and we control our lives and our life experiences get sent back to the same source so that your spirit is a broadcast your life experiences are sent back to your source and if you die that's only the television set because the broadcast is still there. If you if you uh, have cells with the same antennas on it, uh, they'll read the broadcast still. As a matter of fact, here's an interesting experiment. I could take cells out of your body, put them in a Petri dish, and move these cells 40 miles away from where you are. So I have you sitting here and your cells 40 miles away, some of them in a Petri dish. And I could record the electrical activity of the cells in the Petri dish. And this has been done a number of times. So I have, uh, let's say I take a television and I split the screen. On one side of the screen is a picture of you sitting right here. And the other side of the screen is the electrical activity of your cells 40 miles away. And here's what we find out. If you get an emotional experience here, and I could see you on, on the television have the emotional experience, Exactly at the same time, 40 miles away, your cells will express a lot of electrical activity at the very same time. And what was the point? Well, as I said, the, the cells are like television sets. You could have two television sets 40 miles away, each responding to the same broadcast signal. And I go, yeah, your cells can be in your body here and some of your cells 40 miles away. But they're both in both sets of cells are tuned to the same station. So if you have an emotional response and I see you have it right here, 40 miles away at exactly the same time, the cells are picking up the same, the same uh, program, more or less. So what it shows is your identity is not so localized in your body, because if I spread your cells out, wherever I put your cells, they're going to respond to you, even if you're not there. So these are like magical thinkings. If you think about it, it's like, oh, my goodness, my cells are responding to me even when they're 40 miles away, meaning they're still connected to you. And I say, well, how can their cells be connected? And the answer is because your cells in the Petri dish 40 miles away and your cells in your body right here have the same antennas and they're watching the same show. And that's how it works. So what happened to me? I was non-spiritual. And all of a sudden I realized in a moment, in an instant, when the cells showed me, I didn't learn it from a Bible. I didn't learn it from a church. I learned it from the cells that I am an immortal spirit, but I only have a mortal experience, a life experience. When a body has my antennas on its cells, then I play through that body. 
And uh, and just to close with that, Michal, because it's very important, because now you have to realize, so let's say 35 years ago, at the moment I just see this, I say, I never believed in spirit. So all of a sudden it's like, I believe there's only this body. And then a moment later when I see how it works, I go, oh my God, there's a spirit and a body. And, and at that moment, being a curious scientist, I said to myself, well, why have a body and a spirit? Why not just be the spirit? And and the cells in my body, I could, I could almost feel it happen. The cells in my body came up with an answer that came right up to my head. It's like all of a sudden, like my cells were speaking to me. And I said to, to, to the question was, why have a spirit and a body? Why not just be a spirit? And the answer that came from my cells, it's kind of funny. I guess I have humorous cells. I, I said, why have both? And the cell said, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? You have to think about that for a second. And what's the meaning? And the meaning is this. The spirit is information. It's not physical. It's just like, uh, hey, uh, you talk on a telephone and there's electrical signal traveling. Your voice isn't traveling. There's a signal. <laughs> and our spirit is an energy signal, okay? But as an energy, as an energy signal, it doesn't have a, a physical body. And I say, what do eyes do? Well, eyes convert the world of light into pictures. And I say, and what about ears? Oh, ears convert the world of sound in, into uh, electrical activity. And I go, yeah. The eye sends electrical activity to the brain. The ear sends electrical activity to the brain. When you touch something and feel it, is it soft or hard? The brain doesn't feel soft or hard. It feels electrical activity. So what is the point? And the point is our life experiences that come through our senses, smell, touch, sound, sight, feeling such as love, these are the result of a physical chemical body. But the brain converts those feelings into an electrical signal. And that electrical signal is sent back to source. So the whole idea is this. A spirit knows what love is like, not because it has physical receptors to feel love. A spirit knows what love is like because of the vibrational energy of love as transmitted by the brain. So it says, ah, oh, when you come and you have a physical body, you get to make experiences. You get to try out things. You can feel pain. You can feel love. You can feel happy. You could taste chocolate. You, you know, you could see things. I say, yeah, that's the body. And it converts all that information by the brain into a broadcast. And that broadcast is sent out of your head. And in fact, there's a new technology that can read the broadcast being sent from your head. Uh, you know, we want to read your brain activity. You go into a medical lab and they put wires on your head. It's called EEG, which stands for electroencephalograph. You put wires on your head and I could read your brain activity. Well, that's because the electrical activity of the brain is, is conducted to the skin. So when you put wires on the skin, you could read the electrical activity. There's a new device not electroencephalograph, it's called magnetoencephalograph. Electroencephalograph reads brain electrical activity. Magnetoencephalograph reads the brain's magnetic activity, which is connected to the electrical activity. I say, well, so what's important about this, Michal, and it's simply this. With the MEG reading brain activity, the probe does not even touch the head. The probe is outside. And if you have a thought, I could pick it up on a magnetoencephalograph and read it without even touching you. What was the point? Well, you think your thoughts are in your head. But the truth is, 
everything that your brain does is broadcast to the environment. And, and this action is sent back to your source. So uh, uh, my whole world changed because I started to realize there's more to me than this life experience, that I came here, and I came here for a purpose. And I said, well, what would that purpose be? And the answer is this. If you're just a spirit, and I say, what does love feel like? If, you, if you've never been in a body, you can never answer that question. If, if I said, if you're just a spirit, and I said, what does chocolate taste like? You say, well, if you weren't in a body, you wouldn't be able to answer that question. So I say, ah, then we come to the earth to have experiences. And I go, yes, <laughs> we came here to experience love and life and see the beauty and live all that. And when you die, your body doesn't go, but the broadcast still has the memory of all your life experiences. And when a future embryo shows up with the same receptors, the same antennas, then you're back for another go. And, and for me, the, there's a cosmic joke at the very end. The biggest cosmic joke uh, went for me, because remember, I wasn't spiritual. Now I recognize for sure there's a spiritual thing. It's a broadcast. It's an energy. And then I say, oh, my goodness, people think that you come to earth and you live out these plays of morality like the church says, and that if you do well, then you can go to heaven. And, and I see it now completely different. <laughs> I see it today as we are born into heaven. This is heaven. You say, what do you mean it's heaven? I said, this is where we came to create. I said, well, what we've created is war and, and violence and, uh, and a destructing environment. I said, well, that's because we were following other people's beliefs. If you were following your own beliefs, you wouldn't even do that. You would be happy. You would love the world. You would see the, the, the mountains and, and, and smell the air and smell the flowers and taste the chocolate. And you would say, oh, wow, this is great. And I go, that, that's what our, uh, our destiny is. Uh, and the one time in our life where you actually live that is when you fall in love. If you think about it, I call it the honeymoon. When you fall in love, your life is completely different than it was the day before. The day before, life was just life. And then you fall in love, and all of a sudden, it's heaven on earth. I go, that's because when we fall in love, we change the brain function, and we start to create heaven on earth. Uh, unfortunately, we revert back <laughs> if you don't understand it. And then the honeymoon doesn't last that long. But I just want people to recognize if they ever have fallen in love, they can say, how was that experience? I go, were you healthy? And everybody goes, yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I couldn't wait to have, wake up and have more. It was so exciting. I go, that wasn't an accident. We created that. And as I said, no matter how crappy your life was up until the day you fell in love, the moment you fell in love, it's like different. I go, ah, that was the secret of finding heaven on earth is to be in love. And that's that's really where it's at. And Bruce, what role do you think stem cell research and even biology belief forms in causing psychiatric, autistic and neurological disorders, Bruce? Yeah, well, what we have to start to recognize is, look, this is a, a robotic device. The biology is cells, it's proteins, it's DNA, it's it's chemistry and it's all that. That's I could put the cells in the Petri dish. I could take them apart and it's all that. So look at it this way. Consider your body as a vehicle, like a car. And your mind is the driver of the car. I said, well, if it's a car, I say, how come there's so many cars in the junkyard? And you go, because they didn't make them very good? I go, no, no. <laughs> 
the cars are in a junkyard because people don't take care of them. <laughs> if you don't take care of the car, it's going to break down or you're going to drive it wrong. You're going to crash it. You're going to do all these problems. The driver is the cause of almost all the problems. I go, same thing with our human body. We have to recognize the body's a machine. We have to take care of it. And we have to, just like a, you take care of your car, uh, you have to service your body and put the right things in it and, and, and exercise it the right way and use it the right way. If you uh, find yourself in a toxic environment and you're putting the wrong kinds of food in or you're having the wrong kinds of thoughts, because remember, uh, the drivers of many of those vehicles in the junkyard, uh, the vehicle was good until they drove it wrong. You know, they ran it into something, ran it off the road. They hit something with it. And I go, ah, most of the cars in the junkyard are not there because the, the car was built wrong. It was because the drivers didn't know how to take care of it. And I go, this is exactly the same with the human body. We should live. The age is expected for a human to live over 140 years. That's expected normal age. And I say, well, how come we have such a short lifespan? The answer is because we're not living in harmony. We're not living in harmony physically. We're eating crap food. We're taking junk. We're eating too much sugar, which is poison to the system. We're, we're violating the system. It's like, go, you know, go put uh, water in the gasoline when you put it in the car and see how long that lasts for. You know, it's not going to work. Also, we stress the system. It's sort of like, what happens if a person drives with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake all the time? And the answer is you're going to wear out the brakes. I go, well, how, you're going to blame the brakes as being faulty? And I go, no, it's the person putting their foot on the brake all the time. So I say, the human body breaks down. And we have a tendency to say, oh, the human body is frail. The human body is weak. And I go, no, it's not. It's the way we drive the vehicle. And so we have to understand that we have a certain amount of control. And yet, listen, very true story. Sometimes a car is made in a factory and it's called the lemon. <laughs> it just, that's, that's a, that car sucks. It's not good. One car, it'd be just because of the way it was assembled. And I go, some bodies come with defects like a bad car out of the auto plant. But now I'm going to tell you the truth that we know. Less than 1% of the human bodies arrived here with defects in the building, the genes that have caused the vehicle to, to become sick or not operate correctly. I go, okay, we have to understand that we can work with that 1%. But the issue is, what about 99% of the people that got here with a you know good set of genes and a healthy body? Then when they get sick, when they have issues, I say, I can't blame it on the genes because I know you got here with a good set. We now know that that new science epigenetics, where the environment and our perception of the environment affects the genes, this is very important. This is very important. We came with genes, which are blueprints, but the way we see the world can change the way the blueprint is read. So for every gene blueprint in your body, remember a, a gene is a blueprint to make a protein. I could vary the readout of your genes by just the way you live, just your perceptions, just your stresses, the diet, whatever it is. I could change the gene readout. I can make, listen to this number, 3,000 different versions of proteins from the same blueprint by altering the way I live. And I go, what is the re meaning of that? I say, what if you came with completely healthy genes, which 99% did? I say, but if you're not living in a healthy manner, if you're living under a lot of stress and a lot of fear or a lot of you know abuse or no love, these are the things that change the readout. 
So that means you could come with a healthy gene and then get cancer. And it turns out we now know 90% of cancer has no connection to your family history at all. 90% of cancer is because of lifestyle, living under stress, eating the wrong foods, etc. And as we start to look at like diabetes, type 2 diabetes is 100% lifestyle. It's nothing wrong with your biology. It's just that you're feeding it incorrectly and stressing it incorrectly. That's where the diabetes came from. And yet we go to the doctor thinking the doctor is going to give me a pill to take care of my diabetes. And the answer is no. The pill isn't going to take care of you. you got to take care of you. You have to see that you have been involved. And I said, well, that's what the new science versus the old science, when we started out this, this, uh, this report here this morning, Michal, we started out and I said, uh, we believe we're victims. And so I tell everybody you're a victim. And when you get sick, you say, it's not me. It's my, my biology. And then you go to the doctor thinking the doctor is going to fix you. And then I'm going to tell you, now what do we know? The new science epigenetics said, though, this is completely wrong, that it's the way you drive the vehicle, the way you manage the vehicle and maintain the vehicle that determines the health. So 1% have a legitimate complaint because their vehicle came defective. But 99%, if you're facing illness and, and disease action, then you have to recognize that some way in regard to the way you're living, be it diet and nutrition, be it perception of stress and fear, being, you don't even have to be in fear, just not even having love. If you don't have love in your life, that will cause illness as well. So we have to start recognizing we are the powerful controllers. And if it's not working right, rather than going to somebody else and like a doctor and say, fix me, we're going to have to start saying, wait, I need to have a better education about how I drive my life because it's the driving of the life where the problem comes from. Bruce, what are your thoughts on the power of the collective consciousness as a way to heal our planet as well as heal ourselves? Absolutely. Remember I said that each individual, uh, their brain activity, I said that the brain activity, is we think it's inside your head. You're having a thought. You think it's, oh, it's just inside my head. And I say, no, with the new technology like magnetoencephalograph, I can show you your thoughts are not inside your head. Your thoughts are being broadcast. I go, well, okay, so there's like each one of us is like a tuning fork with a vibration. Each one of us has a different vibration, as which makes us all different. But if we start thinking the same thoughts, then what does it mean? We all start sh sharing the same broadcast. The more people that are having the same thought, the more that broadcast, the volume gets louder. And when enough people share the same thought... The broadcast is so live, loud of that thought that it even affects the people who don't have that thought because it's like turn the volume up on something. The louder the volume gets, even if you don't want to listen to it at some point, it's going to be so loud you can't help it. Well, when a large number of people share the same thought, that thought then controls the behavior of that large number of people. So a culture, a nation, a civilization the, what happens in that world? We say, well, look at all the world. Look at the wars that we have. And I go, why do we have so many wars? And the answer is because we have enough people believe that war is the only way out. And I say, what if people didn't believe in war? And I say, then there wouldn't be any war. But if every day you watch the news and you become more afraid and they tell you that this is happening and be ready and get ready to fight and everybody's watching the same news, 
then what they're interpreting and what they're hearing is being broadcast. And I say, yeah, and each one of us having the, the same broadcast is like turning up the volume. Simple point. You can't have a war if the people don't agree with you. You know, what, what's that old Beatle thing? Uh, what if they had a war and, you didn't sh- and nobody showed up? And the idea is this. And I say, well, then war is not an accident. War is a creation. If you get enough people to believe in war and get, and you get them all worked up, you could be like Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Those people were so afraid of their lives when he you know, gave them that nationalism and talked and, and they believed it. They ended up throwing people in ovens. I said, how the hell could that happen? I said, you get enough people to believe it, it can happen. So the world we live in is not an accident or a coincidence in regard to people and civilization. It's a programming. And we have been programmed. Our lives are not running based on our wishes and our desires. Our lives are running on the program. And uh, this is very, very important. The program of how your life is going to be controlled occurs in the first seven years of your life. Actually, from the last trimester of pregnancy, you're already being programmed your life. And for the first seven years of your childhood, your brain is in a, a place of being programmed. It's a vibrational activity of the brain called theta, which is hypnosis, a child's brain is in hypnosis. So we have been programmed, and whatever that program is in the first seven years, it generally will become whatever your life is going to be. Now you say, well, that sounds interesting. And then let me give you, Michal, this very, very important fact. For 400 years, the Jesuits have said, give me a child until it's seven, and I will show you the man. People, you didn't understand what they were saying. This is a moment to stop and say, what the heck? Were, what were they saying? Give me a child until it's seven and I will show you the man. What they were saying simply is this. If I program or educate that child for seven years, that child will become whatever I programmed. In other words, I program the child for seven years. The man that evolves will be an expression of that program. And I'm going to then stop and tell people, you didn't listen to what they were saying for 400 years. They were telling you, if I get your first seven years, I own your life. And that's exactly a true story. Uh, And the fact is this, now the public is beginning to understand the the mechanism of that. And that's because our brain for the first seven years is in uh, a vibrational frequency. When you put wires on your head, I told you you could read brain activity, EEG. The vibrational activity of a child's brain for seven years is primarily in a frequency called theta. Theta is imagination. I go, yeah, look at a kid under seven. They mix the real world and the imaginary world together seamlessly. In other words, uh, your child's riding a broom as a horse and you say to the child, give me the broom. And the child looks up and he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a horse. At that moment, in that child's mind... I know it's make-believe, but it's make-believe is real enough for the child that the child actually imagines they're on a horse. Well, that, that brain function is called theta, but theta is also hypnosis. And I say, why is this going on? The answer is, here's a simple question. How many rules must a child learn to become a functional member of a family and a community so that the child behaves in the appropriate way for a family member or appropriate way for a member of the community. Thousands and thousands of rules. I say, well, how do you teach an infant thousands of rules? I mean, they're babies. They can't, you can't give them a book. I go, ah, 
nature created the situation you don't have to teach them. Their brain in theta is recording your behavior into their mind. So a parent's behavior is programmed into a child's mind in the first seven years. And that's why children grow up and become just like their parents is because they were programmed that way. And the church was the first one to really know that. And they said, oh, my goodness, if I could control the program for seven years, then by definition, I control that person's life for the rest of their life, which is true. And therefore, we have to recognize the programs that we live our life by are not very supportive. In fact, psychologists will tell us 70% or more of the programs that we downloaded as infants are negative, disempowering, self-sabotaging. These are programs. I go, yeah, that's why 90% of the health problems are not coming from the conscious mind's thinking, I want to be unhealthy. No, it's the subconscious program that is not in harmony that causes the illness. And it's not the conscious mind that says, I want cancer. It's a subconscious programming. And the, now just to emphasize before I stop here is that word subconscious, sub means below. So I say, oh, your life is being controlled by the consciousness that's below your awareness. You don't see it working. It's just doing it automatically. And so you don't even see it. Uh, let, let me see if I can wrap that little story up with a story I give in my lectures, Michal. It goes like this. I'm sure most of you had a friend that you were very close to and knew your friend's behavior very, very well. And you also happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you can see that your friend has some of the exact same behavior as their parent. You get all excited. You got to tell your friend. You go, hey, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then I say, you back away from Bill. Because the moment you say to Bill, he's just like his dad, Bill will go, how could you compare me to my dad? And, and Bill will get very upset. And everyone laughs because they know that. And I go, this is not just a story. This is the most profound story. It's simply this. Bill, in his first seven years, his downloaded program he, he got from observing his mother and his father. So his father's behavior is part of his subconscious. During his life, Bill is playing his subconscious programs, and, and here's the, the new science that is shocking, that the conscious mind is you, your spirit. What makes you different than everybody else? Your subconscious mind is just a, a program device. It's just got lots of programs in it. So there's nobody in the subconscious, but it's just automatic programs. And so like when your vehicle, your body, remember we called it a vehicle, consider it like a plane. Uh, I say the pilot can hold on to the, to the steering wheel, whatever the hell they call it in the plane, uh, and fly the plane. But the pilot can then flip on autopilot and go back and go to the bathroom, and, and the plane now flies itself. The subconscious mind is the equivalent of autopilot. It doesn't take any thinking. It knows how to walk. It knows how to drive the car. It knows how to talk. It does everything that you do. It's programmed. The conscious mind is you, and it turns out, because we think, and here's how much of the day, 95% of the day, the conscious mind is thinking. Well, the point is, when the conscious mind is thinking, it's not paying attention. So it's like, the moment the conscious mind is thinking, you go on autopilot. And I go, yeah, but autopilot's subconscious. I go, yeah, 95% of the day, the average person, every one of you out there, me, you, Mahal, every one of us, 95% of the day, our minds are in thought. And that means 95% of the day we play the program. 
because our minds are in thought, though, we don't see the program. And that's why when you tell Bill, hey, you're just like your dad, he gets pissed off because he says, no, I'm not, because he's the one who doesn't see it. And I say, how come he doesn't see it? And I say, because the only time he plays the behavior that he got from his father is when he's thinking. And when he's thinking, he's not seeing it. So everybody else is seeing that he behaves like his dad, and he's the one that doesn't see it. Well, we are all Bill. There's nobody out there in this audience right now that is not in a large part Bill, meaning you think you're running your life with wishes and desires, conscious mind. I love myself. I love the world. I want to be healthy. I want to be successful. These are wonderful conscious wishes. But it turns out, uh, unfortunately, only 5% of the day are you using those conscious wishes to run your life. 95% of the day, you are an autopilot and you're running programs and the program's not even yours. You got them from your parents and your family and your community. And therefore, you're not even running your own life. You're running a life you have been programmed to run. And then that takes me back to the Jesuits who said, give me the child until it's seven and I will show you the man. Meaning once I get that program in, unless you change the program, your life has been determined by that program. And most of those programs are negative, uh, disempowering and self-sabotaging. At the moment, Bruce, one of the biggest problems in schools in Ireland is that they are teaching the Irish language using the incorrect alphabet, with the native alphabet of Ireland being OM, the language of the trees and natural cycles of the cosmos. Bruce, how important do you think it is in the conscious world for us to restore the teachings of the native Irish alphabet in schools in Ireland? Uh, this is a very critical point that I've been working on, especially here in, uh, well, in, when I'm in the States, uh, in North America, I work with uh, Native Americans and uh, what are called First Nation people. Those are Canadian Indians up there. And, and here's the point. Very simple. The people from the ancient days knew how to live on this planet. They lived in a world of harmony, not like the world we live in today with business and fear and crisis and all that. They understood how to live in the world, the ancient people. They could read the signs of the earth and understand what was going on. Today, we have lost that in the modern world. And as a result, we're facing extinction because we're destroying the environment and the people at the same time because we lost that initial awareness the original people had. The original Irish were part of what are called the indigenous people of this world. They had a different language, but they also had a different way of speaking to the earth. They could read the signs of what was going on and live in harmony because they knew what the weather was going to be and what the you know what was going to grow and what wasn't going to grow. And I say, how'd they know that? Because the more ancient people lived in this harmony. They didn't have television sets and they didn't have the schools. They lived in nature and understood nature. For me, then, it's important to realize that in today's world, as we're facing a destruction of the civilization, mainly because we're undermining the ecosystem, is that we must return back to the understanding of the indigenous people, because those are the original people that still know how to talk to the planet, how to read the signs. And uh, this is true whether they, these are the people in Ireland uh, or, or whether they're people in North America or whether they're people in Australia, the original people were the ones that had an awareness of how to live in harmony. And therefore, as we keep programming out the indigenous people's opinions and voices and their culture, we are losing day by day the secrets of how to live on this planet. So I would say in support of what you're saying is 
to keep the culture alive. It doesn't mean everybody has to live in that culture, but that knowledge has to be an important part of the world in which we live in today. The failure of understanding that knowledge is the failure that's causing the destruction of the civilization and the environment. So for me, everything that says go back and relearn and learn among those original people that still know. That's why I, I, when I get a chance, I work with Native Americans in, uh, in, in the woods because their language and their understanding of the planet holds the secret for our future success. And I would say exactly the same thing for the Irish community because the animists, that's what we call them, those are the people that lived on this land uh, before the church really ran the show. Uh, they were the ones that spoke to the earth, and they're the ones that have an understanding. If you eliminate this understanding by modernizing it and saying we don't need to do this anymore, then you're cutting some of the most important roots that can keep us on this planet in health and harmony. So therefore, like I'm here in uh, New Zealand right now, and the original people are called the Maoris. The, the Maoris are the uh, are very fierce warriors. In fact, they were so furious, this is the only country that the British Empire landed in, but was not able to defeat the original people. They actually had to sign a treaty with the Aborigines here. Why? Because the Aborigines were more fierce battlers than the British were. And, and guess what? The language is still here. The language of the Maoris taught in school. The language of the Maoris is part of the entire culture. The Maori spirituality is infused, even though it's a British, uh, former British, you know, country. Uh, it's still Maori infused. When you lose this in uh, Ireland, it would be just like what happened in in Australia and in the United States. The Aboriginal people there were were broken up from their communities. The schools, they were not allowed to study what their families studied. They sent them to church schools, and they lost so much of their world. And, and how did these people turn out today? Well, they're at the bottom of the pecking order because their whole culture was turned upside down and lost. And, and they're, they're just, you know, they lost their understanding of life. And that's why we must come back, and that's why I agree with you. You want to keep this uh, world alive, then you better keep the cultures that were here when this world was working and keep them back because they're the ones that still hold the information that we need to bring this world back to peace and harmony. What are your own thoughts on regard to Ireland's significance in the development of the conscious world? Yeah, I mean, oh my goodness, uh, the Irish were the people feet on the ground. They, they were there so, so long ago. Uh, they understood. They lived in harmony. Uh, the issue is when did the harmony disappear? You could tell me, I could tell you, I, you know, I have a very biased opinion. The harmony disappeared when the church took over because they said, oh, no, don't talk to spirits and ghosts and planets and trees. Don't talk to the plants. You know, that would be like against their religion. It's like talking to the plants was how we understood what was going on. Reading what the insects were doing, we're telling you what was going on. The moment you lost the fundamental nature of how to read the environment and the signals was the moment we got disconnected. And the result of that disconnection is now today uh, the loss of the ecosystems and what we now call the, the sixth mass extinction of life on this planet. We are going through a mass extinction. We're, we're losing species on this planet 1,000 times faster than background. I mean, there was always species being lost, but today we're losing species 1,000 times faster. And that's because we lost 
the understanding of us and the land. And I think if you go back to, to the uh, fundamental Irish nature, the, these were people who lived on the land and spoke to the land. And if you disregard this knowledge and lose it, it's just another uh, string cut that will cause us to even uh, go down the tubes faster. So, uh, yeah, I'm 100% behind. Let's keep the old cultures cultivated. Let's teach them to the young people because the absence of this information about the old cultures is the biggest problem we face today. Bruce, what you know of Druids, is there any teachings that we need to embody in today's culture? Absolutely, Michal, absolutely. The idea is this, Druids could, as I said, the earth talks to us. <laughs> if we stop listening and we don't listen to what the earth says and we do what we want to do, then we find, look, Oh, you know, we're polluting the oceans with all the oil that's leaking out, all the plastic that's in the water. We're changing the pH of the ocean. How fast is this happening? And here's the this is like a shocking answer. But if you have kids today in 2048, which is actually probably longer than reality, but they say by 2048, there will be no fish in the ocean if we continue doing what we're doing today. So. If you had a kid today, in 12 it's what, 30, 32 years, when they're adults, there will be no fish in the ocean. I mean, it's like, that's almost like science fiction, an ocean devoid of the life. And it's like, yeah, and that's just the beginning, because when the ocean gets devoid of life, it will ultimately lead to the loss of life on this planet. And that's why science says we're in this mass extinction. And I say, and what about druids? And I go, they were like Native Americans in Ireland. <laughs> they are the Aboriginal people. They are the ones that read the signs of nature that can say, how do you live in harmony, the things that we forgot? And so for me, if you can return Druid sensitivity to the world's population, then we will be on a way to healing ourselves. If you take away this information for sure, uh, it's going to be a great loss to human civilization because we're in the process of destroying ourselves now. And we need the information they had. And that's why it's important for us to go back to our roots now. What do you believe is the one thing that we need to do to shift our consciousness? It's all education. It's, it's to recognize we have been programming people incorrectly. We have been, the programming is so bad. That's why there's so much uh, health problems in the world today. The health problems, I said, didn't come because of our biology. The health problem came because of our programming, our teaching, our learning. We need to start with the kids. We need to have the kids back in nature again. Get them out of that uh, computer classroom for a little bit. Put a feet on the ground. Put the hands in the dirt. Touch the planet. Learn how to live, learn how to grow things, learn how to watch and, and understand uh, why. Because the thing that's dying, well, we say the people are dying. Oh, yeah, but the people are dying because they're killing the planet. When the planet is dying, the people die. <laughs> and so you say, well, we got to fix the people. I go, yeah, but first we got to fix the planet. And I say, how do you do that? And I say, get those kids outside right away and, and let them play and learn and live in nature and stop this idea that, oh, if you give them science and math, we're going to save the world. No, give them nature. That will save the world. That's what we need to do. Let them play outside. Let them be creative because we're not allowing creativity anymore. Our education is just saying, do as I say, which is not creative. It's just repeating the same mistakes. 
that people have been doing for thousands of years now. It's time to to give the children a break. That's where the the new world is going to come from. Not the older people, but from the young people. We have to stop hobbling them. We have to stop, you know, pr- uh, we're, we're not letting them grow in the world. And, and until they do that, we're in a lot of trouble. People want to find out more about your work or if you find out about your books, how could they do it? Yeah, uh, the, I have a website and it's very simple. It's just brucelipton.com. On that, there's, I think, which one of the, uh, the files is like resources. And I have lots of written articles. I have lots of YouTube videos and lecture videos that are free. And they talk about this whole new biology. And when you understand the biology... When you understand what I'm talking about, remember I mentioned that how life was like uh, heaven on earth when you fell in love, that honeymoon period? If you apply the new biology, that honeymoon period will be your life every day of your life. And you should live to be 140 enjoying heaven on earth. And we need to do that because the programming that we got in the first seven years is the programming that is causing our own destruction in regard to our own health and the planet's destruction as we undermine the ecosystem. And uh, that's why, you know, if you get a chance, go on that website, uh, check out these articles because they give you power. Stop being a victim of these programs. Start to take back the power. Make better programs because if you do that, you will find that you could have a honeymoon, a heaven on earth experience. Every day of your life, you'll wake up and say, my God, thank you for letting me visit this beautiful planet. And when you're doing that, then you found the harmony that I'm looking for and that it's available to all of us. And that's the new biology. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Michal, I want to thank you so very much. And I, and I thank you for this opportunity to talk to the, to the audience. And I want to thank your audience because you are the people that have the power to make a difference. And yet we all believe we have no power. And it's like, if we collectively decide this is what we want, remember we're all tuning forks. If we start to send out a new message collectively of health and happiness and love and harmony, the world will change into exactly that. So realizing we have to reprogram the negative things we, we received already and start to put some better programs in. I truly believe in what you just said there, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Michal, I, I, I look forward to, to you living the honeymoon every day of your life so you can tell everybody about it. <laughs> I sure will. That, that's my plan, isn't it, Bruce? <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your time in New Zealand. Yes, I surely will, before I have to go back to what scares me when that's called the United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how are Trump's chances in, in the election over, do you know? Well, I tell you, if, if, he, if he actually, you know, I, I just think that there's a large population that's not saying anything. They're, they're just dead quiet. And then the only ones making noise are the idiots. Uh, but it turns out, if he actually has any chance of even winning, I will become a permanent New Zealand citizen and not go back there again. <laughs> I hope for the whole world that he disappears very quickly. It'd be a very interesting place if he does become president. Oh, oh. Okay, we'll have a different radio show the next time. We'll be pirate radio by then. <laughs> Definitely, like we're all going underground, I think. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Thanks so much, Bruce. I appreciate it so much, Michal. Thank you for letting me speak with your audience. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another show of The Health Zone. Tune in next week for more exciting and interesting topics and guests in the areas of spirituality, relationships, 
finance, creativity, health, career and much, much more. In the meantime, check out and like our Facebook page on www.facebook.com forward slash the Hellstone show or follow us on Twitter on the letter D Hellstone or log on to our website www.thehellstoneshow.com If you subscribe to our mailing list on there you will get the Hellstone show delivered to your inbox every week and also you'll get a copy of our free book called How to Transform Your Health in 2016 Also if you have any feedback on the show or if you would like to get in touch with us, our email is tunein at thehealthzoneshow.com. Well, until next week, have a fantastic, healthy and happy week.